Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with State Corporate Training. Thank you to Craig Hass and his team for their ongoing support of the Collisions YYC podcast. Leadership, a term that conjures up everything from images of the hard charging Hollywood portrayal to the introverted, quiet CEO who emerges from their office with a magical path forward for the organization. No matter what comes to mind for you, I guarantee it'll be different than it was pre pandemic. After the past 18 months, the demand on leaders at all levels of the organization has changed. No longer can you rely on technical expertise alone. People on your team need you to be more human, and more importantly, human in a way that matters to them. Through my interviews with the team at SAIT, I was introduced to a more balanced approach to leadership, one that was truly a game changer for me and my perspective around what it is to be a successful leader. They call it the six leadership intelligences. Adaptability, emotional, collaborative, social, psychological, and digital intelligences. At first blush, aside from a couple, you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, what do these have to do with leadership? I'm here to tell you everything. We live in a world with a rapidly changing landscape that requires the need for human connection that has never been more important. How can you manage change if you are unable to create deep, safe, and meaningful connections with people around you? Simply put, you can't. Whether it's an entire organization, a division, a field office, or a small team, if you're not equipped with the intelligence you need, all the smarts in the world won't bring a group of people together to make the opportunities and challenges facing your organizations today. SAID is here to help you and your teams put together a package to put the skills in place for a safe, inclusive, and high-performing culture. To find out more about what they can do for you and your organization, please check them out at sait.ca slash corporate training, or better yet, open up your email and contact Craig Hess directly at craig.hess at sait.ca, that's H-E-S-S. He would love to chat with you and walk you through your needs and how they can put together a solution for you and your team. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Miss Reva Bond Ramsden. How are you, Reva? Excellent. How are you today? I am really good. Thank you so much for, oh, I'm always good. I'm on, I'm doing a podcast. It's like my favorite thing to do. So I, I, I feel so fortunate to have such amazing conversations with just oh, such, such cool people and happy to add you to the, the cool people list. You are Dean of the School of Construction at the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, affectionately referred to as SAIT, as we all know and love. And everyone knows by now, I'm a raving fan of what you guys are, what you guys are doing in the city. And I was introduced to you, I think through Craig Hess, who we work with at corporate training and looking at your, you know, of course I'm a professional creeper. I'm on LinkedIn and <laughs> School of Construction, Dean School of Transportation, School of uh, Manufacturing and Automation. You've been over for 12 years at SAITE. So, you know, maybe just for the sake of it, tell us a little bit about your journey. You've had a lot of, I, you know, I can see where these all kind of weave through and interrelate, but yet I would assume these are all very different disciplines in terms of the, the involvement you've had with the students and putting these programs together. For sure. Yeah. So before I joined SAITE, my background was in industrial construction. Um, I was doing contract administration for uh, large modules um, that were being installed in projects like for Shell and Suncor, Esso okay. Refinery, that kind of thing. Um, and so it was always big dollars. And, and we were always rounding sometimes to the nearest million um, in a conversation <laughs> or, or things like that. And then I came to higher education. <laughs> and, you're rounding uh, pennies now. You're down, you're down oh in the double boy. decimal points. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was rolling pennies to get a dollar. It, it was uh, <laughs> just a totally different uh, ball game. Um, and certainly over the 12 years, uh, we, we felt that more and more. Um, Curious, why, so the, was, why, why the transition? Like we're in such a time of pivot when people, and pivot, the buzzword of the last 18 months for companies and people as, as individuals as they change careers. So just curious on that, on was it something, just a life choice or like what, that seems like a significant change in direction for you. 
Yeah, it, it was a combination of things. I, I had a mentor and, and he said to me one time, he's like, don't do this forever. He's, he's like oil and gas, you know, the, the money, sure, it's fine, but, you know, do something you're passionate about. And uh, the opportunity came in the School of Construction and just the, the job position sounded really exciting. And uh, I have quite a diverse education that kind of didn't align with construction to begin with. And so I thought I could pull out some of those tools in my tool belt and, uh, and apply them. And I love working with young people, young adults. And it's really interesting, no matter your age, there's this dynamic between student and teacher Right, even when the age is reversed, the the teacher has this um, power position, this wisdom, or or this uh, perceived wisdom. <laughs> you are and, the uh, you are the sage. You're the teacher. We someone puts you in front yeah. of the room, so you must have all the answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and what's evolved over Seda's time is is that we're really a guide and and we're really a coach, and uh, we have amazing, phenomenal students with with diverse backgrounds and personal stories and knowledge that they bring to the table. And, and so it's becoming more and more of a partnership in adult education, which is really exciting too, and kind of leads into, um, you know, some of the other things that we'll talk about today, initiatives that we're doing around collaboration um, and, and really how the workforce is evolving too. Yeah. As the rest, speaking of like touching on that, being the last 12 years, how has this world changed and evolved? Like we all talk about the last 18 months, but like I do believe the last 18 months was just an accelerant. It was a little bit of gasoline on a fire of change that was already happening. Whether you just throw the big underpinning of digital transformation, again, buzzword, buzzword bingo. But just in what you've seen in the way that, let's just talk about the education system and how, how students engage with the post-secondary and how they engage with advancing themselves in this rapid changing careers. And from that perspective, like how, is the last 18 months just been an accelerant of a path we were already on or has it really shifted in terms of the world you see of, of jobs and requirements, but also how post-secondary plays into that? Yeah, for, for me, I like that. It was, it was the gasoline for the fire. Um, okay. It certainly accelerated the direction we were headed. Um, ed education in the past, you could develop a curriculum, a program, and it would, it would live for 15 years. Um, we, we can't even have it live for one year. You know, the, the technology is changing so quickly, um, the new skills, uh, thing, things that industry is asking of the workforce and wants us to be putting into the curriculum. And, and so we're in this continuous improvement cycle constantly, um, semester to semester, updating things and, and uh, putting things into the curriculum, changing the experiences, changing how we're doing things. Um, and I think what the, the silver lining of COVID for us is the folks that that saw the path we were on um, took the opportunity to embrace the technology and um, the way we're teaching classes. So um, we we've done a lot more team teaching online because we're no longer constrained by a physical space, a physical classroom. And so because of fire code and everything else, our classrooms were designed for 32. But in, in this online world, we're having 64, 96 students come into an online space with three faculty, and the faculty are playing off of each other and bringing, you know, the best of their expertise to the table. And that conversation and how that plays out in a learning experience has been, has been really cool to watch. 
Um, and so, so it's not just the technology that's coming in, but the technology is enabling us to do things differently. And that's been one of the most exciting pieces. Um, and when we talk about collaboration and creativity and 21st century skills, um, industry constantly, they want better communication, better communication of all our graduates. And, and so this has been a lifetime experiment where, where we're doing things very differently than we would have traditionally. And, and I think the outcomes have been really positive. I really like the, the clear value proposition of what you just presented. Cause of course I have lots of friends that have, and my, my niece and nephew are off to school and they are feeling gypped because they're not getting to go to class. They're not getting to have that interaction. And it seems like for, in some cases, and again, I, I have only been hearing the secondhand, Oh, we went online and it's been a drastically reduced experience. Like I'm paying sometimes more for my education and I'm feeling that I'm getting less. Or what I heard from you is like, oh no, no, we actually kind of changed. You don't, we didn't just take the book, photocopy it and put it up online and call it an online course. And I, I, that was over exaggeration, but I'm hearing that that's some, hey, the, the, the curriculum's up online, go study it and we'll see you at midterms. And that's the note stuck on the door uh, at the university class that you were supposed to attend. That's not what I'm hearing for you guys, that you guys actually shifted the value proposition to ultimately, it's not only online, it's a b potentially a better experience because of the more depth. Definitely. Um, and so I, what I've experienced, I think there's two mindsets right now. One is a group of folks who are still waiting for COVID to end. Uh, and the, breath, and the, the other, breath holding the breath holding strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and, and it's exhausting to to live in that state. Um, the the other mindset that that we've adopted and, and I've worked really hard to um, filter throughout the school is that some version of COVID is just our new reality. Yeah. And and so it's it's wise of us to invest in how we're doing things. Um, and, and change how we're doing things, not just out of necessity, but out of sustainability. And, and how, how does this, how do we move this forward? And, and to your point, how do we make this a better experience? Like, I, I'm, I'm not for status quo or, or just holding the bar. It's like, there's got to be a silver lining to this. And so how can we use this technology to our benefit? And part of it is, um, you know, the online skills that our students are learning is no longer a module that sits outside of the content. It's necessary to how do you log into your class? How, how do you communicate with your instructor and your peers? How, and how do you connect? How do you build community online? And um, I've been in some classrooms, and I say classroom, it's a virtual classroom. It's a, a Teams or a Zoom platform, and no cameras are on. And it's just somebody's letter in a circle, you know, the default of, of a lot of these platforms. Or there's a photo. Or the cameras are on. And, and the, the dynamics, the breadth, the, the variance, it, it's, it's palatable, you know, the, the, what's possible and, and how folks are, are interacting. We, we have one video, I think it's on YouTube, and the instructor um, took a break, but he played music during the break. And when the instructor came back, all the students were dancing. Every student had their camera on and they were all dancing. And so we've got this like 30 second <laughs> clip of all these little squares on screen. But, you know, it's, it's not just the content that our students are learning. It's the community that we're building behind the scenes. Because you have to feel safe. You have to feel comfortable in order for your mind to open up and learn new things. And, and so... 
who, who doesn't feel comfortable in their own home? And, and so in some ways, if you frame it properly, our students' minds are actually more open than they've ever been to, to absorbing this content and learning these new skills. That's such an interesting, I love it. I, it reminds me of a quote that I was kind of digging for we're chatting. Someone said this to me the other day and I had to dig it up. You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Buckminster Fuller. And I've heard that it's something, you know when a quote starts starts circulating in, on the, in the world that we live in? What I'm hearing you say is so much about that and that holding the breath or the, oh, we, I, like, oh, the good old days and like those illusions that we paint of like, oh, I wish we could go back to the way it was. There is no going back to the way it was, period. So then for how do we build a better model that we don't even romanticize the past? As humans, we love to romanticize the past. I think that's maybe a bit of a phenomenon <laughs> that we suffer from. Uh, I do appreciate that. and But it's taking that extra time and effort and it, it's, it might be also shifting, like we talk about people that are being forced to adapt to new realities. That's no different than the post-secondary. I've been teaching this course the same way for this many years. No, not speaking negative to anyone or about anything specifically, but we get set in our ways and it gets easy. And change is as hard as you want to make it, but you're right. It does take extra effort. So hard or not hard, some people get energized by that extra effort. Some people are like, well... I don't want to, I, I don't want to, I don't want to change. I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that extra effort, like I, I can't thank my faculty and my team enough because um, I probably only have 50% concept of how much time it took to create some of those experiences. Um, and, and that's what I was trying to do from the beginning was really inspire folks to say, this is worth your time. This mm -hmm. isn't going away. This isn't just one semester you know, the investment of your time is going to pay dividends and we are going to carry some of these great tools forward. I've had faculty even tell me that if they were coming back to campus tomorrow and sitting in a classroom, they would still use Teams in the classroom to communicate with their students. So rather than hover over somebody's desk and touch their papers, they would stay at the front of the room, Teams them with their headset on in the back of the room and because of what we do as so many digital files, the instructor can be in their computer, move around their digital file, rather than sit at their desk and move their mouse for them. So, so technology has allowed us to, yeah. to mimic and, and enhance, actually, those interactions. Um, but it is scary to, to put yourself out there and try that the first time. And we had some epic fails. <laughs> but we were, we were I appreciate failing. The, I appreciate the honesty. You're failing forward though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, some <laughs> truly embarrassing moments. Um, but again, we had that community where it was a safe place to share that with one another, learn from it and move forward. Um, so one of the things I did in the school, we call it framing our futures. And every week we met online um, because I thought it was really important as a leader to model that I too am using all these tools and I too am learning them. Um, and so we met in Zoom every week and uh, we had different guest speakers and different topics um, and the same sort of thing. We were experimenting with, um, there's graphing tools in, in that, um, surveying tools. And, and so I, we would just throw things out and, and have a conversation and, and go from there. Um, so trying to model it as we went. 
that's such a great, I think that's a great takeaway for any, anyone in any position. There's no shortage of tools. Like we're almost drowning. You don't see those, those charts in my world of marketing or marketing automation. I think there's like 8,000 like logos on that screen. There, it's those things that float around. The biggest challenge is like how to use them, how to find the right one for you, but also being willing to test it out. Cause none of us are experts in these things. They've come on so quick and so fast, but they're also, they, they're oftentimes very accessible and you can get in and get working with them, but then you've got to spend that extra time to figure out like how it works in your personal workflow, whatever, whatever that means. So thinking yeah. about the school of construction, I, I really appreciate the, you know, cause whether you're in your world or you're in a company or a family setting, we've all been forced to learn how to do things differently. And I love to see how different organizations from different philosophies and mindsets, because oftentimes the mindset we brought in really allows us to be very flexible or is it very fixed construction? I've had people on talk about like, Hey, this was a pretty fixed sector. We did the same things the same way we did it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of mindset, not making it sound sound lowbrow that way. But I've had a few guests come on and say, wow, this was a bit of an industry, the word construction period. There was a bit slow, like, oh, technology is things that happen for other, other industries, not necessarily ours. But as I read your list, it's civil engineering, technology, uh, engineering, design, and drafting. The word technology is bolted to almost every one of these. So for you guys, has that also been a big part of the curriculum is showing the role that technology can play to maybe change the this is the way we used to do it mindset? For, for sure. So I think when folks think of construction, they think of carpentry comes to mind Grab right away. Grab a hammer and pound and, some nails. <laughs> right. And that's a very hands-on skill. It's a very hands-on trade. Um, and so the technology for us is really all the way from hammer to hollow lens. And, and we're really covering everything in between. It's a great bookend um, you just presented. <laughs> Hammer to HoloLens, that's a great line. Yeah, and, and you know what? We're doing all of those things in the School of Construction now. And, and what, what um, you know, this, this new reality has presented us is an opportunity to realize and recognize that we do need to shift our focus more towards um, the higher the higher end technologies. And that doesn't mean that we don't start with the hammer. It just means that we maybe spend less time there so that we can pivot faster sooner in the in the in the semester towards some of these other pieces. Um, in our pipe trades program, we have an amazing faculty member, Fred Bretsky. He's built over thirty models. Um, and he was given one free HoloLens. He created all these models, and he's recorded lectures through the eyes of the HoloLens on a Teams platform, and his students have walked through 3D models of a commercial kitchen, say, and all the piping that would be required to, to install that. Um, would that have happened if we hadn't gone in, into this situation? Maybe. But would he but have had might have, 30 It would have been models? taken longer too. It would have, might have happened exactly. over the next couple of years. Yeah. And and would it have been used every class or would have would it have kind of sat on the edge of the curriculum and been one lecture? A, a novelty versus, item versus a foundational item. <laughs> exactly. And and so those are the pieces that we've really embedded and really really transformed how we're teaching. Um, and, and so now that we're back on campus, um, my goal is really to merge this virtual campus that we've created with our physical campus, because for anyone who's been on the state campus, it is gorgeous. It is, it is stunning. Uh, the views of downtown, there, there's no other campus in the city that, that can even, um, they're just not in that league. It, it, it's gorgeous. Um, the month of May with the lilac trees. I love the pride. Um, I love the pride. Trees. You're like, where, where, go for it. 
It's beautiful. And and so as as someone who's teaching construction fundamentals, I mean, the, the campus is a tool to teach. And, and so I'm excited to get people back on campus, but that doesn't mean we abandon this virtual campus that we've built up. It, it actually enhances it. Um, and, and so there's a space on campus. It's the Founding Builders House Lab. Um, and it came together in 2012 uh, with very generous donation of, of 12 founding builders. And uh, we're using that space now um, to continue this extended reality exploration. Um, so we're going to be building out a hollow deck. Um, and uh, we, in partnership with our advanced digital technology school, are um, uh, expanding our hollow lens up to uh, 25. And so we'll be able to have many people in the space doing, doing different uh, things, looking at different layers of the same model. Um, and, and the other exciting piece is to get industry in the space. And so that, um, you know, part of this is preparing the workforce you need today, but also um, continuing the education of the workforce you have, um, because there's that competitive edge. And, and so part of our mission is really to move the whole construction industry forward and in a supportive manner, give you the tools and, and the safe place to play, if you will, a neutral collaborative space to innovate um, and, and make those things possible. So... Um, yeah, I mean, yes, we have to wear a mask, um, but really I'm kind of over it. If that's all I have to do to get in a, a room and play with this stuff, let's do it. You had me at, holo- at, at the holodeck, <laughs> but anyways, I did grow up watching a little Star Trek. Um, what I really loved about what you said, well, so much of it, it makes me excited. It makes me want to go check it out. Put me on the grand opening list, please. I want to really go check that out. Absolutely. I used the HoloLens a few years back. I was down at a conference in LA and they had one and it, it, was, it was a really cool experience. I've, I've, been, I've been looking to get back into one ever since. But what I loved what you said, and I think this is a conversation that I think should be taking place more in organizations, this, this virtual or on-premise or virtual or in-office, it's not the conversation. It's where's value creation exist. And that's what I heard you say. Like We've created this amazing, value proposition online, but that doesn't mean we don't have another piece of value proposition that is in person. But let's not just let this either or conversation I find is really getting us into a problem place of like, no, we're a work from the office kind of company. I'm like, how about be a company that understands where value is actually created and then build a model? But that's a little bit harder. It takes more work than just to do black or white. And it's something I'm getting passionate about. I'm like, let's have the real conversation. Not about, it's not one or the other. It's what's the best in the, in the outcome, in the long run. And what's the best for all of your stakeholders, which in case are your students or your employees or your customers or your vendors. And I think we're resisting that because it's hard and it's easier to think we can, it, the illusion of going back, which you alluded, which you alluded to earlier. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, our theory is still online and, and we kind of made that decision early on um, because it's really hard to live in limbo and, and you know, we're all, we're all waiting for the call like, oh, can we come back tomorrow? Oh, it's a month from now. Oh, it's three months from now. And, and that's a really exhausting um, reality to live in. So, so we made a decision that the theory would be online. Um, and then what that's opened up is our on-campus experiences are a bit more ad hoc and flexible. And so they're still happening, but they're not a scheduled block of time that's in your um, course, in your curriculum. And so we have a great tool at SAID, it's called Co-Curricular Record. And, And so it's an opportunity for students to sign up for these extracurricular activities, 
but have them formally recognized. And they're all tied to competency. So you get quote unquote, the exact, like, like almost the micro credential kind of mindset where you're getting, totally. you're getting credit for these little bite-sized pieces. Yeah. So the co-curricular record sits beside your academic transcript, but it's got all the competencies that employers are looking for. Leadership, creativity, critical thinking. And so we can start to build that for our students and they can come two hours a week. They could come 40 hours a week. They could come to every single demo. They could come to two. Um, And that's called personalizing your learning, which as an adult, shouldn't we be allowing that flexibility for all of our adult (laughs) learners? Um, You know, I think about my own self, uh, how how I learn and and the demands I have. I have a full-time job. I have people that depend on me. So do our students. And, and so we need to provide that flexibility. And I think sometimes people confuse uh, flexibility with just a free-for-all. Flexibility has structure. Flexibility has a lot of structure behind it. Um, it doesn't mean it's a free-for-all. Uh, flexibility done well has, has a lot of um, intentional design behind it. And so that's what we're trying to do on the campus. Um, and it just means it's going to look a little different for everybody but people are going to get what they need out of it. And, and so that's where we're breaking the mold of same, same for everybody. Um, that's not really optimal. Well, especially as we live in a world where personalization, whether it's you know knowing when our Uber is going to show up to the way things show up on our own news feeds. And we live and we thrive in a very centrist world that way around personal, around personalization of like, no, I want it exactly the way I want it. So, you know, that leads me to, to the kind of like who's coming. Like, so thinking about, you said workforce of the future and kind of the needs and, you know, being the organization you are, you probably work with people, like you said, from all walks of life, all ages is also the word construction because of the technology bent and because it means so much more than a hammer. And I guess I, I recognize we're, we're, we're oversimplifying, but I feel like this must be attracting a whole different group of people than maybe it was even five years ago, 10 years ago. I don't know. Am I, it excites me to hear how much more um, opportunity exists because it isn't just about the manual side. It's about all of it kind of brought together. Are you seeing that shift and kind of demographically who's showing up? So construction is, is interesting. And, and I, I kind of emulate the pattern. So I kind of fell into construction by accident. It wasn't, it wasn't a career choice necessarily. Just, just a few pieces happened and that's where I ended up. And then once I did, you know, the challenging work, um, the camaraderie, um, it, it was just such a, a fantastic industry to be in. And, and that's the story that the construction industry needs to tell more so that it is a first choice career. Uh, typically, people are a little bit older. So, you know, if the typical career attracts somebody who's 18, 19, people don't usually find construction until they're 25, 26 meaning they've done something else, it didn't really work out, and then they kind of stumble into construction. And, and so the story that we want to tell is really to, to promote and say, no, this is actually a first choice career. Um, and you know, if we think about the gaming industry, it is not far off, a 3D model in the gaming industry, and what happens when you put on a HoloLens and see all the different layers of a building wall system there, there, it, the parallels are are there, and so we've but got two very amazing different, brand, different brands. Though, if you think of like what the gaming industry, how it's looked at, but if you look at the For size sure. of the construction industry, like you always hear the quotes of gaming industry is worth this much, and so on. So, the construction industry is massive when it comes to dollars in terms of like contribution and just revenue moving around. 
for sure. And those <laughs> skills are so transferable. <laughs> so interesting. I would, I would have not drawn that parallel. <laughs> uh, but, but absolutely. So one of the hmm. biggest struggles we found for our students is to go from a 2D drawing into a 3D model. And, and that leap, not everybody can make, make that visualization leap. But we've got a whole crop of young people that have grown up playing 3D games. Video, video games. The, the, they, they wouldn't even know how to go to 2D. They've been living in 3D. Um, and, and so there's an opportunity to leverage those skills and say, hey, you can make a lot of money over here in this industry and still have a lot of fun and apply those skills um, and, and for anybody who's been on a big project and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've got friends who perhaps are architects or engineers or tradespeople, And when they drive by something, they say, oh, I worked on that building. Oh, I, I did that yes, building. I, oh, I was on the team that did that. Right. Like when, when you meet somebody in that industry, you can't drive by things without them reminding you, oh yeah, I did that. Cause there's pride that comes with that. It, and it, it's really exciting. There's, um, and so much it's of our world, there isn't, there isn't always a tangible output like that. Like you can't feel yeah. it, touch it, experience it, create an emotional response when you walk through it or whatever, whatever the case may be when you talk about, you know, a building and, that's and well done creates an experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's going to outlive you, right? You're producing things that, that really stand the test of time. And, and that's, that's exciting. That's a lot of purpose to your day to day. Hmm. Yes. Um, Trends, things like when you look out into the future and you look a couple of years from now, obviously you've talked a lot about 3D and the HoloLens and being able to move what was on a drafts table, you know, onto a computer screen that's now into a 3D that you can actually move through and understand that this, this and that don't line up well before you ever get on the construction site and someone's trying to go, well, I can't put this here because it runs right into this beam over here. You hear those stories all the time. Oh, if I ever get the guy that designed this, I would tell him a thing or two about a thing or two. Um, what, what do you see outside of that? Like if bleeding edge, if you look really down the road, which might be only a year or two away, bleeding edge, yeah. six months, what do you see? What gets you excited about um, the future curriculums that you haven't even thought of creating yet, but is somewhere percolating? Mm. Yeah, I, I think for us, the, the next step of this is the interdisciplinary piece. Um, and, and what the physical campus is going to allow us to do is have our pipe trades working with our sheet metal trades, working with our carpenters, working with our technologists and our soon-to-be architects. And everybody's in this space very early on in their education and career because that experience, that mindset, that way of thinking, that true collaboration and co-creation is not something that we've traditionally been exposed to or trained to even think that way. You know, you go to a job site, um, one of the advisory members um, that I work with, he said, buildings leak at their intersections. Why? Because each trade has a stop and an end and, not, and, and they do not go into the other trades work, right? Like those pieces never, never mesh. And so I think the opportunity for us is to shift that mindset and and build up that knowledge and understanding on on what your colleagues do what your other tradesmen do um, so that you understand how the pieces go to be, go go um, fit together better um, and and then to expand that even further I think the opportunity is for construction manufacturing and the energy sector to start bridging those industries and what are the transferable learnings and processes and, oh yeah, why don't we actually back this up and work together, you know, 
a year earlier on the design and 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 then that makes the implementation go better. So I I predict a real shift in in how we're working. Everyone's looking for efficiencies. Everyone's looking for cost savings. Um, the supply chain right now is is we are all at the mercy of a supply chain that is failing us. Completely. <laughs> and, and everyone, so, everyone I talk to in yeah. any type of construction or building is like, well, we could be 25% busier if we could get X. <laughs> exactly. And so the only option is to work differently, work differently together. Um, and so I, I think this is, you know, a once in a lifetime opportunity, like knock on wood, this will be my first and only pandemic. And let's not waste it. It's a real opportunity to really make some big changes. Curious, you talked about the more the collaborate. I, 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 buildings leak at their intersections. I, I like that makes a lot of sense. Well, no, that's not my department because it's beyond this line, the imaginary line of, of, of your yep. task. Do you see because we have so much technology and there's like the need to be, I guess, I guess I've met a lot of people in the construction industry that were generalists. I've met a lot of specialists, like, but I'm a plumber, or I'm a, I'm a pipe fitter or I'm an electrician. Are you seeing, is it more just having a better understanding or about the other trades and what they do or willingness to collaborate? Or is it a blend between specialization and, and generalized? As we become more technical, there often becomes more specialization, which sometimes can widen that gap between the, the intersections. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. I, I think there's a blend and a need for both. Um, and, and maybe there's an opportunity. I, I think how we build our teams, how we construct our teams, um, sometimes, you know, maybe you're you're on a crew and, and, you know, have you ever really looked at that and said, oh, crap, eight out of nine of my guys are specialists. I actually need a few more generalists. Um, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity just to rebalance and, and kind of look at that. And then the other conversation, um, maybe that we don't have enough is asking folks, do you see yourself as a specialist or do you see yourself as a generalist? And then allowing a person to develop in, in that, that respects, um, myself, I'm definitely a generalist. Um, I, I have people on my right and my left that, that, that always let me know where I've gone wrong. Um, (laughs) But, but that's so key, the, key, the key to a good life, a successful life is surrounding yourself with those people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's maybe cliche, but the team, that collaboration is, is going to be key. And I think we haven't yet as a society really even tapped into what collaboration really is. I feel, have you seen a, a, an also a shift of people joining the programs or becoming involved um, that have lost, that have been um, dislodged from their career? It's, it's an easy Calgary story. Unfortunately, it's a story everywhere, but Calgary, we were dealing with this pre, uh, pre-pandemic in terms of the shift of the energy sector of somebody with 20 years experience in X no longer is able to find work in X. So now they're pivoting. I'm curious, are you seeing that, those people coming into some of these technolo- techn- technology-based areas of construction, but they're bringing 15 years as a geologist or 15 years as a facilities reservoir engineer or something to that effect. Because it feels like that's an interesting way when you think about specialization versus generalist, because they're bringing all of these like hard-earned life skills of how to get stuff done and how to, how to deal with problems. You said leadership, problem solving, but now they're all of a sudden putting it into another discipline. Is that a trend? I'm imagining you're seeing that like everywhere. So, so I would say that is kind of the plight of construction is that we're still not a first choice career. And, and I think more geologists would thrive in construction, more, more folks from the energy sector would thrive in construction because they have such a transferable skill that we could tap into. I think um, those folks are, are attracted to the, um, 
uh, pure information uh, communication technology programs, cybersecurity, um, computer programming. And I think there's absolutely a need and, and that's a great career choice. Um, what we're seeing in construction is actually folks that are working are desperate to hang on to their job. And so they're not continuing their education. And so that's another vicious cycle that the construction industry suffers from is this mentality that I have a job, I better keep my job. I don't have time to retrain or upskill because I have a job and I'm just going to stick with this. Um, versus, you know, we need to have this culture where, hey, you have a job because you have a real talent. I want to groom your talent and keep you at my company, keep you in this industry and allow you to keep upskilling and retooling. And, and we see this vicious cycle in Alberta more so than other provinces, right? The boom and bust, boom Feast or and famine. bust. Feast or famine. Because because we make these gaps, these gaps in training, retraining, and upskilling, and and so we need to collectively work together to smooth that out. Because um, it's not going to. I don't have time to send my. I don't have time to send my team for higher education because we're so damn busy with what we need to do now, and we're short staffed. Yep. Oh, which is the tough balance in any organization. Because if you've got all that extra time, then probably things aren't going well on maybe another front. <laughs> maybe your PL right. isn't as strong because I, I'd love to send these people, but now I can't afford it because we lost that job or didn't get that bid because it is so project often project based depending on what it is. Um, you look down the road and it, like we're also talking about talent. I can't on the show. It comes up every all the time every time because you think, well, do we have enough money to fund the projects? Do we have enough people to do the work? Do we have enough access to the to the customer base that's going to buy this thing we're doing? When it comes to skills gap, when you look down the road, are we heading headlong into like it seems like in every industry? And if things do pick up, we're just not going to have enough people. Like two years from now, we're going to be short X amount of thousands of skilled construction labor in the province. Like, is that a reality for you guys as well? I'm I'm assuming yes because I'm just hearing it everywhere across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the construction industry is definitely projecting um, trade shortages for sure. Um, and I, I think, again, uh, so if we're not going to have more people and demographically, you know, unless we're accepting a whole bunch of immigrants in, mm -hmm. into Canada, demographically, there's there's a dip coming, right? There you know, just isn't enough people. When you look at the whole people. demographic pyramid of the way it's laid out, we're, we're not set up for success. Yeah. We've got some real gaps there. Mm -hmm. and, and so again, like, how do you do more with less people? Well, you need to do it differently. Yeah, um, leverage and, technology. And technology <laughs> is a solution to do that. Um, and, and that's what our programs are exploring and, and that's what our students are working on. Um, in, in our two-year diplomas in the final semester, our students work on a capstone and the capstone mm -hmm. is really the pinnacle of their education and we partner with industry. And so we're always looking for industry to bring us your problems, bring us a problem, maybe even a problem you semi-solved, but you kind of want to fact check it or see like, would we have come up with something different? Um, and, and these students can tackle that for a semester and, and then present back to you a solution. Um, so, so that's an opportunity, again, as a polytechnic, uh, we just work so closely with industry and, and there's always opportunity for, for more problems. Bring us your problems. We, we want them um, and so that we can work on them and use them as a teaching tool. How many, uh, in the, the School of Construction, how many, how many students or how many participants, I guess you would call them students, how many students would you guys have kind of enrolled at one time just for, again, all of a sudden I'm like, I don't really have any context of size and scope here. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got about 700 technology students, okay. and uh, all of the trades at SAIT, um, around 5,000 students annually, and, and so trades education is 8 to 12 weeks, 
Um, And a technology student is usually a two-year to a four-year. We also have a degree in construction project management um, commitment. Do do you see more people going for the whole program or is it more kind of a la carte? People come in, I want to learn this. I want to learn that. Like, cause obviously you have such a different mix of people that are, like you said, all ages, all states of life. Is it, is it more like pick and choose or do you get, do you get people that are like, no, I'm on the journey. It might take me longer cause I'm working or living my life, but I'm going to do the whole run. So we're definitely seeing more people take longer um, okay. to complete the three years. And it's usually a good news story. It's usually they've landed they're working. a great they're working. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. and, and so so we're looking at new ways to deliver that. And again, a silver lining of the, is we've gone online and, and we've proven that it's still high quality um, and, and that people are succeeding and, and going through it. Um, one thing that was a pleasant surprise is that our retention really held up, meaning we didn't have a large number of students give up after first year. Um, very high retention. Most students came back for second year and, and completed their program. Um, this year is really interesting because now as we get further into this pandemic and now the high school students have been online for two years and 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 they're thinking, oh, do I really want to do college online? Like, how how is that going to look? So we're starting to see a little dip this year, um, and I think that's fatigue, um, and I I think it's um, a, a lot of things. Um, I I think there is still a sense, uh, falsely, <laughs> that online education isn't quality education, um, and and so now with the campus reopening and trying to really blend those experiences, um, I, I hope that we can start to shift that as well, um, and and see more folks come in, um, and 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 so it's really been great because the folks that are working and and are really uh, big advocates of this online learning, I hope we can get into the workforce more and really start to shift construction and and close that uh, gap that's created right that. You are busy, but one course a semester would still make this employee an even better employee mm-hmm. and, and keep that trend of constantly learning going. Um, so that that's one thing I want to break into the construction industry because it, it really is different than other industries. Bankers, banking, you're always doing your CPA. You're always getting another mutual fund certificate or or things like that. Part of so, professional designation also is that you got to do your CCs yeah. and all those things. Yeah, it's very. It's there's an infrastructure in place to kind of for, it forces the issue. How many friends I Correct. know that are panicking because they're like, oh, I'm coming up to the end of my two years. I got a whole shit. I got to get my co- my courses yep. in. And it's not even a negotiable because <laughs> what's on the yeah, table exactly. is your designation often in the, in the, in those settings. I do appreciate the online and the virtual, and I, I'm not so old that I've forgotten that um, my college years weren't just about education. There was a whole other side of college that was that was in person, and the, sometimes the first time you move out and do your own thing. And I haven't saw, I've seen a lot of those college movies about the Zoom class of where they're getting all wild and crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> we all watched sure, when we were yeah. younger, so there is that yeah, side of it, and I think we're all catching up as a society to what's the blend between what I can do online, but I still thrive or or or, or desire that real social connection and that experience. If I'm, For if, I'm sure. 20, if I'm 19 or 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a thousand students in residence right now. Okay. Um, and and last year we had zero. <laughs> yes. Okay. So. So so that is fantastic to start to see the campus come alive again. Well, you put yeah, a building without people's often doesn't have the you know what I mean. It's the people that give it the energy. That's the that's the that's Absolutely. the that's the lifeblood moving move, moving through the hallways. So, bonus uh, bonus addition on this episode, you and I when we first chatted, you made the statement about you're working you're working on your doctorate, and you said I remember because you go 
complexity leadership theory in higher education. That's my jam. And I, it stuck <laughs> with me so much because I just loved how passionate you were about it. So if anyone has uh, you know held on with us and is into this, tell us a little bit about what you're working on there because I don't know, I left being excited about it. It was the first thing I wanted to ask you today when we got on the phone. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, I've been doing my doctorate through Athabasca, uh, which okay. is online. Online learning. Uh, they hey, they were online before had... it was cool, let's be honest. Let's yeah, give them some yeah, credit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, so my my thesis is around complexity leadership theory and uh, creating value co-creation um, and and really diving into collaboration. Um, there's a there's a real distinction between cooperation and collaboration, and mm, and okay. so cooperation is two people have goals, they come together, and they both achieve their goals. That's cooperating. Collaboration is two people have goals, they come into a space, and they they together develop a brand new goal that exceeds the two goals they came in with originally mm. and and achieve that goal. A force multiplier. <laughs> so so that's collaboration. And and I think a lot of folks cooperate, right? We're we're kind, we're Canadian. <laughs> we, we, we say we're, please you know, and th- we our, say please and thank you. We do. Yeah. Exactly and sorry, right? It's in our DNA. Um, but collaboration is a new skill. And collaboration, mm. you have to let go of the ego. You have to set your ego aside. You have to challenge your personal assumptions. You have to challenge your personal bias. And, and you really do come into the space. And if you're open to it, um, it, it's really a different level of teamwork. It's a different way of working. Um, value co-creation is, is common in marketing. And, and so if we think about how new products are being developed and, and how there, there's a item or a technology, and then it goes to market and it ends up getting evolved or used for a purpose that the company didn't even anticipate it would be, that's value co-creation, right? That That's the market now um, co-creating with you and, and feedback loops to, to make it better and, and all those sort of things. So, so that's what I'm exploring and uh, yeah, in, in the research stage now. So looking forward to some really exciting results, probably January, February. Very exciting. I, I've never heard it explained that way, the whole collaboration. Like you talked about the truly crab late, setting your ego aside. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were proposing that to truly be in a debate and to truly have a discussion with someone, the ability to actually remove yourself assigned identity from that conversation is the only way you could truly participate in a way that wasn't somehow putting your own view of yourself in threat or, or, or enforcing that on the other person. And it was such an easy concept. And I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. And I'm like, whoa, that is really hard to do. And I kind of heard that said in what you like to truly corroborate, how do you park your own identity, which is your own ego, your goals, our own way of feeling vulnerable sometimes around our idea or just driving our idea so hard that we step on other people's ideas. You're right. It's easy to say the word collaboration, but it's really tricky to do it well. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And and you think <laughs> about it, we all give ourselves titles and roles in every organization. And you come into that space, you come into that project or that meeting, and you're not just representing yourself, you're representing that title or that role, or or the you know, so so you're bringing yeah. There, there's so many different layers. It's um, yeah, really interesting. And which all of that is ultimately just a story we tell ourselves in our head. Ultimately, <laughs> that yeah, we sometimes what we sometimes mistake is the truth. <laughs> sometimes mistake is the truth. Yeah, it's those invisible lines. It's those invisible silos. It, it's it's there, and it's just a construct. And if you can peel it away, 
um, you can get to to something magical, some someplace new. It's interesting because that's where, you know, now we're really going down a rabbit hole. That's where it starts to divulge. I recently had a gentleman on talking about an old, old school oil and gas guy talking about the fact that we're teaching all these leadership courses, but we're often teaching it to people that have their own wounds and their own unhealed sense of self. And he goes, you know, you can take a leadership course on the weekend, but if you somehow are not feeling settled with yourself, you're never going to be a good leader. And he kind of talked about where, you know, he goes, there's a lot of great programs out there, but until we do that self-work, until we be able to keep ourselves and our own insecurities or whatever story we tell ourselves in check, how are we ever going to be good leaders? Or I would say to build on what you said, how would we ever be effective collaborators? But that's not talked about. We don't, this is business. We don't talk about that soft stuff, but yeah, <laughs> we're humans and we're messy. That is the thing we should be talking about all the time, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I I've been managing people for over 20 years and it never gets boring. And <laughs> I'm surprised every day with, with a new situation and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And first and foremost, as a leader, how do you react to it before you can even then, you know, because it, it pushes our buttons. And in collaboration, we can be in settings where someone, it, you know, a good collaboration is they're pushing you on ideas that you maybe haven't thought of. But if you get defensive or you kind of lock that down or I'm the, I'm the leader, I'm supposed to have all the answers or all those kind of mythical leadership qualities that don't really <laughs> exist. And that's a whole other can of worms. I think we're, I think we've got some, I think we have some work to do. I think you have a lot of opportunity to do research and expand on your thesis statement. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, in, in the space, it's called enabling leadership. And so yeah. as, as a leader, your, your job is really just to create a situation for collaboration to occur. Um, and, 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 and that's difficult for folks. It, it's difficult to be in that space. Um, but, but that, yeah, that's when minds and, Things change, and 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 so that that's a thing too. I think right now, we've never been so open to change as mm-hmm. as a society. We build, it's some of it, it some of it's being forced upon us, um, but the other thing is like holy crap! Look how much we have changed, and and we're okay. We're okay. <laughs> we all, we yeah, nobody nah no. That's I think it's so interesting when you talked about even a building, the complexity, you know, the complexity of building a structure. Let's just call it that, or the complexity of the problems we're dealing with in our world. The idea that one person has all those answers somehow magically, and they come down from the mountain and go, "Here's the magic answer." It requires a level of collaboration because what we're trying to solve is so big and so complex, like a building. So you know, when you think about life, how do we how do we not leak at the at the at the intersections? I'm going to use that today a couple yeah. times in senses. I have a leadership meeting with my team this afternoon. I'm going to use the leaky intersections comment because as soon as you're talking, you start to think about it in all different contexts. And I, I, I love a good metaphor. The complexity of a building, the complexity of the problems that we're all trying to solve as individuals and organizations, it requires more perspectives than, than our own. And you've got to let that happen. And I, I love the, you know, just some of the, the, the concepts around collaboration, such an easy word and it's getting thrown around so loosely these days. <laughs> it is. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. What Reva? Um, Podcast number two is already booked. It's when you get a little farther down this path. I want to go down this rabbit hole with you and talk about it. I would it. really love that. Oh, so oh, you're, you're, you're beaming from ear to ear. I can tell you're very passionate about this topic. And <laughs> yes, when you, yeah. when, you, when you work with other humans, which is most of us, you get to work on these theories every day. It's not, it's not uh, academic. It's very real. <laughs> it's lifetime experimentation. <laughs> it is. I'm sometimes willing participants. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Riva, thank you so much for one, the work you do, and uh, just being willing to come on the show today and kind of share. And whole goal of the show is to leave people walking away going, huh. I never thought about that that way. And I think we left a few of those nuggets out on, out on the table today. So I really appreciate it. And uh, I love the dialogue. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a great day. Oh, for, hey, quick. I forgot my last thing. Plug. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to reach out and chat? Mm. Email reva.ramsden at sate.ca. 
Great. We'll throw we'll throw that in the post. And I love when people put it out there to the world of like, hey, just email me. I'd, I'd love to chat. Reva, I always reply. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Reva, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Tyler.